Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. We're so glad you're able to be with us today. This is uh, the week of Good Friday, the week um, that the church historically um, has remembered the death, crucifixion, suffering uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ and then his resurrection on the first day of the week following. Uh, so we're glad that you're able to join us uh, for this for this episode, this Good Friday uh, themed episode. Pastors of the Roundtable is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. It's brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Uh, sitting around the table with me today, I've got uh, Tim Igoangeli, Scott Slater, uh, Dave Arnold, and my name is Spencer Snow. So everyone's doing okay? Yep. Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. Do- doing good. Doing good. It's a good Monday. <laughs> it is. So far. It's a good Monday. Yeah. Yep. And the, so, the sun is shining, kind of. So kind of. always a good thing. It's always a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Michigan, when the sun shines, that's always nice. Yes. Yeah. So we are here to uh, talk about Good Friday. Um, we're going to be um, celebrating that um, at 6 o'clock on Friday, coming up, followed by a, um Easter egg hunt. Um, now, Scott, is that Easter egg hunt for all ages, or is that just for children? children. Is that is there an adult egg hunt as well? There's not. Yes, oh, there will be there. one egg that all the adults can try to find somewhere wow. on one the egg. forty acres. It has a hundred dollars in it. <laughs> a <Wow>. golden egg. <laughs> it's a geocache. <laughs> hey, you know what? Geocaching is awesome. <laughs> Pokemon cards inside. Pokemon. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, so we'll have that going on, um, Pokemon, and followed by a, 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 a refreshments afterwards. So um, that should be good. Um, so Good Friday is the uh, day the church historically um, remembers the uh, crucifixion of Christ for our sins, and uh, it kind of. Um, you know, some churches as well, on Thursday night, we'll have, uh, is it Maudie Thursday? Yeah. Yes. I thought it was Monday. Maundy. I think there's an end. I is it Maudie? It comes from Latin. Is it Maundy or Maudie? Maudie. M-A-U-D. Maud. Yeah, it's just Maudie. Maudie Thursday. I've always seen it with an N. I don't it's know. always been pronounced to, with an N. I mean, someone needs to look this up. Wait, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. We've done podcasts about this before. I mean, the, host, have said the, the host could have looked this up beforehand yeah. if he was going to bring it up. <laughs> but, yes, you know. you're right. It's N. Oh, Mondi it is. Thursday. Yes. Mondi. Oh. Hey, make that a drop. Yeah, you're right. Make yeah, Mike, Okay. Can we make that a drop yeah. that we, we use a lot more? Yeah. <laughs> That's a laughing one. <laughs> yeah. No, that you were right. Sorry. Mondi Sorry. Thursday. You can tell I... um. We didn't grow up celebrating Maundy Thursday. I didn't either. We always thought Maundy came before Thursday, <laughs> but, um, but they, they weren't on the same day. Um, so that's the day like, where we celebrate the Lord's it, Supper. It comes from Madatum, which means commandment, like mm. mandate. The new commandment that I love, that, yes. yeah, that you Mon- love one another. Madatum. That you yes. love one another. Sorry. Washes their feet. Like mandate. So much of what we get from English comes from Latin. Just probably all. Oh, the- little advertisement there mm-hmm. for, there for um, La- this. Latin mug guy. Um, <laughs> That's right. Represent. <laughs> He's got it right there. Um, so Thursday night, Jesus is uh, celebrating the Passover with his disciples. He pours his life into them. Friday, um, some at some point, 
maybe, I don't know exactly what time it would have been, late Thursday night, early Friday morning, he's arrested, taken before the high priest, before later on, you know, kind of in a, there's kind of like a, there's kind of like a, uh, an, an unofficial trial that takes place with the priests before the official one, before the Sanhedrin, before then he's taken uh, to Pilate um, later on. So a whole series of events take place in light, Jesus's uh, life right here in his suffering and, and death. So let's start here with, um, let's just kind of walk through some of the events of this last day. So Jesus, we read, you can, you can look at various, um, various, uh, uh, versions of this, but like Luke 22, for instance, has um, Jesus, right, has sends uh, his disciples to prepare the Passover. They do so. Um, Jesus is there um, in Luke 22, right, beginning at verse 15. He says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus, even here at the Passover, is talking about his suffering, which is funny because that's the one thing the apostles seemingly could never understand. Yeah. What, what, is he, what do you mean? What do you mean? Um, yeah. And he was very plain about, uh-huh. I'm going to go, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise. He said that multiple times, and they just never understood it. Um what do you guys think? I mean, when Jesus is here so sitting around the table, looking at these men, they're looking at him. Um, what do you feel like? I mean, what are your thoughts about what this whole event whenever Jesus is here before, like, you know, as they're gathering into the room and, and uh, just Jesus is sharing his last words, his last farewell, so to speak with them. What do you think the room, the feeling is like in the room? And what do you think, um, is going on in the minds of the disciples and, and, and we know there's one disciple who's got something different on his mind than the others, but what do you guys think? Thoughts? I thought about this a lot actually, because of the programs we've done here in the past yeah. and being in that scene or whatever, normally the way it was portrayed was somber. We would all, you know, that, that's how it was kind of always acted mm-hmm. out or how it was thought or, or you were told like as a disciple, which I, I normally was one of those to act uh, we're all disciples here too. I know, but you, we were told to act like confused all the time. Like, <laughs> what's he saying? I don't understand. Why did Judas leave? What is going on? You know, it was like always like this type of thing. And that's so I, I thought about it. I've thought about it a lot. Cause I, I don't think that's probably how it was. I mean, I, I think, I think the feeling was a normal Passover. That's right. what I think it, it was, um, that they, were with Jesus and with each other and they were observing Passover together and they were in Jerusalem and, yeah, Jesus was probably saying some things, and he did some things that were different. But that they probably could have said, "Yeah, that's his normal, yeah. normal thing." I mean, <laughs> I mean, I would, I would think that they would feel pretty good. Yeah, right now. I mean, the triumphal entry has happened earlier that mm-hmm. week, right? And so they're they're seeing they're. I would think they're getting excited mm-hmm. about seeing Jesus becoming more public, allowing himself to be more in the limelight of the people, you know. And so mm-hmm. when he says some of the things he does. I would probably be a little confused too. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I would. But again, I, I think I that would, was par for the course because yeah. he was always talking in parables and stuff and yeah. he'd have to go tell the disciples later yeah. what was really happening <laughs> yeah. and going right. on. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think it was a pretty joyous time. Yeah. I guess I'd have to do some historical study of what was the mood of Passover and the fam- Jewish family. Yeah. I don't, 
I don't know I, fully, I guess. I think it was both celebratory uh, because that was like the big week. That mm-hmm. was, and also a little somber, especially sure. as they had to remember, you know, their slavery, their bondage to Egypt. And mm-hmm. so I think, I think it maybe changed as, as Jesus was taking the cups. And the Seder, if you've ever been a part of a Seder meal, I was only part of one. They have these different cups, the cup of bitterness, the mm-hmm. cup of, you know, uh, uh, like rat or oppression or whatever. Um, and so I think that's somber in the act itself, the meal. But then I think the overall feel would have been very celebratory and exciting, you know. But they probably would have been like, huh, when he's referring to the cup, and, you know, the suffering and, you know, do this in rem- remembrance of me. But that would have been weird. Yeah. That was weird. Right. Yeah. right? Yeah. That was yeah. different. Like, huh? This is what, Jesus is going off script here. <laughs> yeah, right. This isn't the way we normally do this. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. Well, I mean, and then he, uh, I think there's also a sense in which, uh, I don't know how normal it was to carry weapons on your body, but we, we do read that, you know, Peter had one on. Um, later on, right, Jesus tells them, you know, um, uh, later on, they show him. They say they show him two swords they've got with them. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a sense in which too. And he says those are good. Right. He's like that's good. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, but uh, um, but I guess on the one hand, there's probably excitement um, because Jesus has gone in, cleared the temple, um, done a lot of things, not been arrested yet. But they also know there's a lot. There's there are certain powerful people in Jerusalem right now who would like to see him gone. But I don't especially think especially right now. I don't think it was too strange for them because we know that when they go to the garden and Jesus is praying and he comes back and they keep falling asleep. Yeah. Right. And so they're comfortable enough to fall asleep. Right? They're not that nervous Well, it does say scared. well, I one thing I would push back it's Jesus it does say they were falling asleep because of sorrow. So in what? In the garden. In um, Luke, is that Luke or John? I don't remember. Yeah. That you're gonna make them so uh, yeah. I didn't mean to call you up. Yeah, verse 45 of yeah. chapter 22. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping this is for Luke. sorrow. Yeah, Luke twenty two forty five. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, maybe also there's this, you know, sometimes you read about people who are really depressed, and sometimes one of the ways they respond to is sleeping. So I don't know, too, if they're just exhausted, strained, because it's a very stressful environment. This is not like just hanging out in, in Galilee. This is in the capital city, in the heart of Judaism, at the heart of the celebration. There's prob- And Peter feels enough to where he's ready to kill somebody for Jesus' sake. I mean, to be fair, if I'm going into the inner city, I kind of want mine. On right. my side too. Right. Sure. Well, <laughs> and I guess you and found plus, one while you were on vacation recently. Plus, you know, what? I oh, I did find a huge sword. I don't. I don't think it was Peter's sword. You got a kilt with it. It might have been. It may have been Some a relic. I'm paint. not sure. You could sell it on eBay for a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I could. <laughs> but you know, I, to your point, John 14. I mean, Jesus then makes it clear: I have to leave you. Yeah. But I won't. I won't abandon you as orphans. I will come back. And I. And think he can tell they're sorrowful at can, that moment. Yes. At that moment. Exactly. And so I think you know, and it's not too long after that they go to the Mount of Olives they sing a hymn and then he does the whole you know uh, the vine and the branches and so I think it's hitting in that they're like he's going like we've been with him for three years and a, right. and a rabbi and disciples the Talmudian would always I mean there's a saying that you stay as you know you want to, you want to get the dust from the rabbi on your mm. on your cloak mm. you stayed with each other like mm-hmm. every, through everything and so the thought of like he's going away I think was a cause of depression right and you can't come with me yeah 
You Where can't I'm come going, with me. You cannot come. You right. cannot come with me right yeah. now. And Peter says, "No, I'm I'm going with yeah, you. Right, no matter <laughs> I'm what. going with you, no matter what. Yeah, thick or thin, I'm with you, Jesus. And Jesus, no, Peter, I'm sorry. Yeah. So." The Lord's Supper takes place where Jesus starts talking about this is my blood and this is my body. Um, this was not normal talk, was it, at Passover? There was not like a, a the host would not normally say this. And, no. and normal people, like if, you know, if we were to go to, uh, to Scott's house, for instance, and Scott was to say, you know, this, you know, this represents my body and my blood for you. I mean, we would think well, this is kind of weird, Scott. This isn't, this is a different meal. Yeah. Um, and, but Jesus does it with a straight face and like totally means it. And, and the disciples are thinking this is, this doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. Um, or, you know, they're starting to be, uh, yeah, to be kind of shaken um, somewhat. And I don't think it was probably till, after the resurrection and when Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures that it started to click. Um, but, but it still, yeah, uh, it would have been, would have been uh, an interesting time at the very least. Do you know, uh, if, is this the first time that Jesus mentions the new covenant to like from to his, his lips? lips? I mean, yeah, yeah, that we have recorded. I think you might be right. I think so. Yeah. Cause I mean, I would imagine that would be pretty shocking Mm. Like, I mean, you're right, like the language of like, this cup represents my blood, but also talking about a new covenant, right? Because that's, that's a big deal in their life, that there's a new covenant that God is making. Right. Well, he talked about it in Jeremiah. Oh, you mean he's the, the one that we've been waiting for? Yeah. 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 You're going to bring it about. mm -hmm. So he's talked about his suffering before, but this might be the first instance where it's been mentioned that it's related to the new covenant. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and who knows what what that stirs in their minds? Are they thinking about the new covenant is new in comparison to particularly the Mosaic covenant? And how was the the blood was taken in the Mosaic covenant and sprinkled on the people? Mm-hmm. And here's the blood of the the new covenant, and it's actually Jesus's blood, not the blood of a lamb. Um, so yeah, I mean, fascinating things to th- to think about. Um, so eventually Jesus is betrayed, um, and uh, we read about, you know, Jesus goes and, uh, well, he prays at the Mount of Olives beforehand, right? We read in, in Luke's account about how he's so overcome with stress, anxiety, agony. He sweats drop he sweats drops of blood actually flow from him. Um, he's comforted by an angel. Um, but here in the garden, he prays a prayer and says, Father, if you are willing remove this cup from me. Uh, and, and we read elsewhere that he prays this prayer multiple times, goes back. Actually, in Mark's gospel, we read that he, uh, the phrase is, is there said, um, if I can find it, yeah, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. First question I've got is, is it a pro- does this mean that Jesus is wanting something different from what the Father wants? Whenever he's asking, he says because he does say, "Remove this cup from me." What does that say about Jesus's state? Is he afraid? Is he scared? Is that sinful? And what does this say about his relationship with the Father at this moment when he's praying that? I mean, I think you see his humanity on display there for sure. Uh, Knowing what he's going in in the 
what is being laid on him. He knows this, not just the death, but sin, the wrath of God being on him soon and the process really coming close uh, to fruition here. You see him praying to the Father, which he did all the time, but going away now in the garden and praying and when asking this, saying, Father, you can do anything if there if this can if this cup can be removed, then remove it. But he says an interesting thing after that, not my will, but your mm-hmm. will be done. And so mm-hmm. in his humanity, I would have to think the thought is I don't want this to happen. Right. You know? He's he's voluntarily gone all along. We see after this, voluntarily goes with the crowd, voluntarily does all these things, gets scourged, goes to the cross. So you can't say that he was scared to the point of, at this point, thinking, I'm out. That doesn't seem to be the case. Right. But we do see, again, his his humanity in him of, I don't know if fear is the right word, but yes, I think is, I mean, that's what comes to my mind mm-hmm. is like, realizing not realizing for the first time but you know it, it's coming about i'm about to go through something right horrible here right it's like the same thing we experience you know somebody's going to be going to do something maybe speak in front of a group of people yeah and you ask them are you nervous no but i'll get nervous like right before i go do it oh yeah mm-hmm. you know maybe kind of yeah. like that you know where it's yeah. like he's known that this is coming but like you said tim he's not just going to die he's right, going yeah. to experience the wrath of god yeah written the punishment for yeah. sin you know, and that's a big deal. And it's th- this is one of those passages where we're able to see his humanity very clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think it's also uh, instruct instructive for us of knowing how to pray. Like mm-hmm. just be- like when we go to God to pray, we don't have to be worried about if you know. Like we can tell God what our desires are, but at the end of the day, we do pray and say, "But God, we want I want Your will to be done." Right. You know, it's not wrong for you to have desires and to express those desires of what you would like to happen in a situation or a moment to the Lord, but recognizing his sovereignty. And I almost think about it in this way of like, you know, let's say me and Scott are working on something and a problem arises and we know the answer. We're going to have to do this. We're going to have to rip everything apart that we just did and start over. And we're like sitting there thinking another way. Right. We know there's not. Yeah. But we're like, there's. Can we think of something else? Can a zip tie work here? You know, and it's like, no, yeah. we gotta we gotta do the work. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost uh, not exact. That I'm yeah. sure that falls apart down sure. the road. But kind of sure. that, you know, like in any any other yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. It, you said about like the the relationship between Jesus and the Father. You know, you it's really it, it would it would be very. Uh, just that whole, I mean, just the, how that's all fleshed out. Like, you know, they had conversations in glory and eternity for, you know, who knows, you know, as far as time is related there. But this is like the moment. It's like this is, a, it's all boiled down to this. And he, and he knows, and he knows that the Father, he knows that the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit and himself as Christ are all in agreement because it's the Trinitarian, you know, idea there. Yeah, but how yeah. hard that would have been, yeah. because Jesus is is feeling everything that we've ever felt. You know, yeah. sadness, 
I mean, right. medically speaking, they say that you you can be so depressed or so anxious that you can actually perspire yeah. blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like a you know mystical thing, like right. the Catholic Church has whatever. It's it was very real. His yeah. humanity was he was feeling all this weight. Yeah. And yet he knew that the Father and him were in agreement, and he just said, "Father, okay, it's, it's right." It is a powerful to me moment. Um, because right before, right, Jesus here, at least in Mark's description, he, uh, he, which is, I mean, I don't know. I love these stories because Jesus doesn't ask us to do the praying for him. He does want us to pray for our own sakes, really. But he, he said he just wants Peter and James and John. He just wants, it's amazing that the God, the incarnate God just wants us to be with him. He just wants presence. Um, he doesn't ask them to do anything because there's nothing really they can do for him. He has to bear the load for them, but he wants them with him. And it says, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. I think that shows his humanity again. I mean, you yeah. talked about, it's astounding to think the incarnate God is asking people, but yeah. it shows, I think, our need as humans to have people yeah. in our lives that you can't do it on your own. I mean, yeah. Jesus did it on his own in terms of the cross and stuff, but yeah. all the way to the end, he was like, come with me. Right. The three that he was really close to, right. come with me, come on. And knowing they were probably going to scatter, they were going to run or whatever, mm-hmm. I need you. And even on the cross, yeah. his need for John yeah. and caring for his mother, right? Mm-hmm. And you see this connection of where... We can't we can't live this life as as lone rangers and yeah. as Christians, God has given us each other to be there for each other. And there's a lot that we can do on our own, right? I think there's a lot we probably should do on our own, uh, but we have to have that. Yeah, just, and that's just the human nature of yeah. us, and that's Jesus's human yeah. nature there of not wanting to be alone in the darkest time of his life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it brings to light those verses like what um, from Hebrews, right? That he has been tempted in every way as mm-hmm. we are, yeah. yet without sins. We're like, well, Jesus, you've never, yeah, he has. Yeah. yeah. He's, you know, he never succumbed to the temptation, but he's experienced the full force of temptation yeah. and the full force of pain in this world that you will ever experience. I think also one of the things that's so powerful too about Jesus's, last moments particularly is if I was I think I was telling Ryle this recently it's like you know if I knew I only had a few days or hours to live what and what would I do go to a Cardinals game <laughs> yeah go watch the <laughs> watch the holy St. Louis Cardinals um but you know like I might what would I be doing would I want to just take care of me enjoy my last moments and you think about if Jesus had been a sinner he would have said guys listen you know, I'm going to save you all from your sins in a few days. I just want to be alone for a couple of days. I just want to just enjoy my last few days I'm on go Earth. out in the boat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go out. I just want to be alone. Just give me some time. I'll save you from your sins, but I, t- I really don't. I, I just need. I just need yeah, some me need time. Some <laughs> I need some me time. But in the Last Supper, he's just pouring his heart into these these eleven men remaining. Now he washes the feet even of Judas. He is only concerned for the Father's glory and for their good. Yeah. And even here, he's totally selfless. And 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 I don't know, like that shows me something about him um that is so attractive and wonderful about Jesus because of his 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 just pure compassion. 
yep. pure love. He's not thinking about himself at all. He is he is afraid of the pain because that is a natural that is a sinless human response is to dislike pain. Oh, yeah. That's why God put it there. But he's willing to submit to it. Um, and also, I've, I've thought it was interesting, too, because this is the, the phrase Abba Father is used here in Mark. And then the only other times I believe it's used are in Galatians and Romans. Yeah. And Paul says that we have the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba Father. And the spirit of adoption leads us it's funny that that adoption, that spirit is exhibited most clearly here in the garden of Gethsemane. It's not exhibited in all of the quote, great times of Jesus's life. It's the spirit of adoption doesn't necessarily mean that you're always going to feel this wonderful, you know, just light airy uh, feeling with God. It's actually this intense love that Jesus shows here that he has with the father, whereby he trusts the father so much that he wants to bring glory to the Father, that he's willing to do something that is going to hurt him a lot. Yeah. But he trusts that at the end it's it's worth it. That, to me, shows a, an amazing bond between the divine Father and Son yeah. um, that is that is resembled in our relationship as the adopted sons and daughters something uh, I, never, I never thought about until you were saying it's like the three, you know, Peter, James, and John, you know, all the pain that Jesus suffered physically, you know, scourging, I mean, which was horrible. It just shred your back, of course, crucifixion, but yet the pain of being close to somebody or some, some people and knowing that they're going to betray you or, or, right. or leave you right. alone. That's right. as a human, that's very painful. You yeah. know, yeah. You, you grow up and you, you know, there's a divorce situation or, you know, someone, you know, someone in the family betrays you or whatever, or your best friend um, or infidelity in, in marriage. And it's like, he felt that. And that's like our, that's probably our, our, our greatest fear, you know, is that the people that we're closest with are going to leave us right, or reject us or, right. or tell us, you know, we don't, you know, I'm not going to be with you in your, in your time of need. Right. And he felt that. I never yeah. really thought about it until now, like how that would have been out of all the, the phases, if you will, of pain he suffered, that being alone in his mm-hmm. time of need is yeah. profound. There's so many different levels of his suffering, yeah. whether it be relational, yeah. physical. Um, the, the greatest part we can't see actually is going on in the spiritual yeah. sphere where he's he's becoming sin and, and taking God's wrath. Mm. So go ahead, Tim. I said a question. I don't know. Maybe others have asked this question before too. Maybe we can answer it together. But why, uh, why did Jesus have to go through all the suffering? Why the... Why the whips? Why why the crown of thorns? Why couldn't he just... You think about the sacrifices that the animals were, right? The lambs and stuff. I don't want to be graphic, but I would guess they'd try to kill them as humanely as possible, as yeah. quickly as possible. Right. Uh, does it change... Does it, does it change theologically if Jesus just gets killed and then rises again? Why, why do we... Why, why all the suffering? Why... Why all the drama play out? Do you? What do you guys think about that? You know, I don't. I know. think some of it's prophetic. I mean, it was it was yeah. prophesied that these things would happen. Yes, but I'm just I'm just wondering if we have a good answer for that. I mean, I know the answer that I think I would give to that, but I was just yeah. wondering I've, if you guys. I've, one that comes to my mind is based off of the fact that he is crucified on the cross. We're told is 
there were other forms of execution, but Paul explicitly quotes the fact that because he was hung on a cross, he was a curse. A curse yeah. He was a cursed. And I guess kind of pulling from just simply the mode of crucifixion, because there could have been other, like Paul wasn't crucified, for instance, the apostle Paul, because he was a Roman citizen. Yeah. So he was what beheaded, beheaded yeah. which is more humane, right? And perhaps the Lord chose the form of crucifixion and all of this. I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not dogmatic, but maybe just to highlight to us the cursedness of sin and the to give us some semblance of, because what we see, what we only see with our, as we read here and we read about his um, suffering here, there's actually something going on. The greatest form of suffering is something that we can't even see with our eyes. No one could see it on Golgotha because it's the separation of the father. It's the father pouring the wrath of sin upon the son. And some people, the religious leaders couldn't see that that was what was happening. They just thought they saw a guy they got killed, that got killed. Um, but we know that actually this, that spiritually something more powerful was happening than even they could see with their eyes at that time. And so I guess maybe just trying to convey the sense of the the, the curse and the wrath, mm-hmm. emphasizing it. That's just my best guess. Yeah, I was I was going to say two things. One a verse came to mind from Isaiah fifty two, in verse fourteen it says, "As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind." And he's talking about the suffering of the coming servant. Um, but also, I think what what the amount of suffering and like like you said like all the additional stuff like why um why the taunting by the roman soldiers why the why the scourging why the beating uh things like that i think a lot of it too highlights just the um uh uh i had a different word for it not the unfairness but the the injustice of what was happening um just highlighting the fact that this man did not deserve to be treated like this uh, yet he was treated um, worse than any of us ever have in our lives. Um, I don't know. That's just what was coming yeah. to my mind. I think I, my mind goes in something similar. Just it, it shows the weight of sin. Yeah, it shows what the penalty of sin, what you really deserve, and that he took. And I think too, like I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it just the weight of sin. I I think maybe not necessarily the idea that that God's wrath in hell is physical necessarily um but like we as humans like that is that's how we see it that's how we understand things and seeing the immense suffering of Christ in that way is a demonstration to us of just how bad the wrath of God is mm-hmm. i think maybe yeah. right yeah. um so i think that that you're asking like theological i think that might be a a teaching moment for us to understand if the wrath of God is what Jesus took, this is what that looks like. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Jesus wasn't the first to be crucified, wasn't the last to be crucified Mm -hmm. or scourged, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. or to be beaten by a Roman soldier or anything. And so I I don't think we can necessarily look to that to say, look, Jesus actually had the most agonizing physical death anybody has ever had. I don't know if that's true. I mean, there's probably been worse in war or something, uh, I don't. I don't think that's the answer, but I, it it is a picture of, again, of what we deserve, the death that we deserve that he went through. And it's interesting that when Jesus was on the cross and they they go to break his legs, they're like he's already dead, which I think they were surprised by because yeah. that's not the normal thing. It it wasn't normal for someone to die that quickly. 
which I think then shows us, Spencer, what you were talking about, that stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't see. It's like, yeah, he died that fast because he's going, he is actually going through something nobody else has ever went through, yeah. you know? And it's, it's one of those things where when you try to counsel somebody and you're always told, don't tell them you understand what they're going through because you don't fully understand. And, and so, you know, my parents have never been divorced and to talk to somebody, Oh, I know what you're going through with divorce. No, you don't, Yeah, you don't get it. You know, and I think there's times where people would say that about Jesus. You know, when you say he was tempted in every way as you No, he wasn't, he didn't have a computer. He, he didn't have TV. You know, he didn't have this, he didn't understand road rage. You know, he didn't have to go through these things. And it's like, move that camel. donkey's trying to have a trampoline for you. But when you really start to think about what he went through, I was thinking about this when we were talking about the garden. Think of the temptation to flee at that moment. Yeah. Like, as a human, it's like, I think I could get out of here. Yeah. Like, oh, I yeah. think I could run that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and make it longer. But his temptation, even greater, because he could call a legion of angels to come and take him away and right. destroy. You know, I could blow yeah. this world up right yeah. now if I wanted to. Yeah. But he I didn't. Mean, and so yeah. I think we try to compare our sufferings to Christ, and we start to sometimes think, I think I have it worse. And that's ridiculous. It's just a ridiculous thing right. to think about. Right. Sure. He was tempted in every way, and I would say beyond. Sure. But we can sure. understand because he was fully God and fully man right. and had so much more power than we ever would right. imagine. I don't know what it is. I mean, like, he who knew no sin became sin. Right, yeah. yeah that's like, sick. I don't know what that no. is. No. Yeah. I don't know what that is to bear the wrath of God mm-hmm. and to satisfy the wrath of God. Yes. That's what I don't... I mean, for us to satisfy the wrath of God on our own, right? If you want to go alone and... uh self-represent yourself before God, it's going to take the rest of eternity for you to satisfy that wrath. But Jesus satisfies it in one afternoon. Yeah. And so it's going to like, and that like Scott was saying, like the physical sufferings are manifesting the intensity Mm -hmm. of what is going on here. Also, I think it highlights too, this is what sinners do to a perfect man. We see the depth of sin, not simply in what he suffers, but in the people who are making him suffer, mm-hmm. because this is what we do to the God incarnate mm-hmm. who has done nothing wrong to us. This is what we do to him. Yeah. This is what we do to love. We actually hate it um, in this world. So uh, this world has no right to lecture yeah. Jesus anymore about, you know, yeah. about um, what love looks like or whatever. If you want to know what we do to love in this world, we crucify it. Yeah. Yep. And when we look at the reason for Good Friday, like this had to happen. Uh, Hebrews nine twenty two uh, tells us, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Because some might ask, why did Jesus even have to die? Couldn't there have been right. some other way, like Jesus praying right. in the garden, some other way? Right. No. Because no. sin has to be yeah. covered by blood. There has to yeah. be death that take place. And so the cross was necessary according to the plan of God. It, it had to be done that way. And when we look at Jesus, it's, it's very similar to the sermon this past Sunday night talking about Christ as our mediator. You know, it had to be Jesus as well because what you had just said, Spencer, perfect, sinless man could be the pure offering that men give, right? Right. 
but here's here's our offering, God. This perfect guy. That's the only thing that you mm-hmm. can accept is perfection. Well, here he is. Right. Right. And on the other side, we have Jesus being fully God of God saying, yeah. here's my son. Right. It's a gift to you mm-hmm. so you can be forgiven. Right. Be- is it either before or after that in Hebrews where he quotes Psalm 40, a body you have prepared for me. Mm-hmm. Behold, I come to do your will, O God. Yeah. And I've thought about this before. Like you could write a really cool um, this, but like um, rat, like a oh, rap uh, no oh. like uh, <laughs> not a yeah, rap good. Yeah. no yeah. I don't I didn't know where you were going with it. I don't do rap I'm a, sorry a poem yeah a, a poem. those are the same thing no. yeah right yeah, just, 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 just put it to music I was saying that you some records I'm trying to speak <laughs> I, have spoken. I have spoken I have spoken yes um, but like the Old Testament really you could just title preparing the body the old te- the New Testament is the body crucified. Are you trying and to rewrite the Bible? I mean, but that's what it is, right? The whole Old Testament is simply preparing the body of Christ to be delivered up as a sacrifice on the cross for us. And uh, Jesus says, "I've come to do Your will, O God," and and that's what He prays in the in the in the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's what He does um, on the cross. One of the things too, Spurgeon points out in the sermon that was put online. Well, was that put online? No, it wasn't put online. This is something else I read in one of the Bible study things. But he points out that the last companion Jesus had on earth was a thief, was a sinner. Wow. Yeah. And he, yeah, it was really cool. Typical yeah. Spurgeonic Tip, stuff. Yeah, but, Spurgeonic. But it's, uh, he, um, he points out that, you know, Jesus, right, he was the friend of sinners. And his last companion, yeah. he's looking over there is this really bad, miserable sinner who has a deathbed conversion and who believes in him at the very last moment before he has any chance to do good works. And he's the last companion Jesus has on earth, and he's the first one Jesus has in heaven. Mm-hmm. And it's that thief. And um, That's good. just thinking about even at that moment on the cross, right? I'm bearing the, he's bearing the weight of sin for us, and yet he has enough... <laughs> This guy who looks like pure weakness. Remember, Paul talks about the cross is foolishness, but to us, it's the power. It's the it's the power of God. Well, to that guy over on the other cross, right there, he looked at Jesus, and the one to one thief, this is just foolishness. If you are the Christ, save us and yourself. But the other guy says, "Nope, this guy's done nothing wrong." Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You'll be here today with me in paradise. So to one, it looked foolish, even the thief dying. But on the other one, he looked at Jesus dying on the cross and said, that's the power of God. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's it. And it, that's salvation. It reminds me of a story. My, uh, my son, Luke, uh, got really into the Titanic. And we studied the Titanic, you know. The, and there's a story about John Harper. John Harper was going to be a guest preacher at, at um, Moody, Moody Church in Chicago. And so he was over with his daughter. He was a widower. Um, his daughter survived, and so he's in the icy, cold Atlantic, you know, and people are trying to hold on to whatever they can, or, you know, it's like five minutes, and then they're, they freeze to death, basically. And he's going around swimming and telling people mm. about Jesus. Yeah. And he's using every ounce of his body, because your body starts to shut down in that, I mean, it's 32 degrees, I think it was, or whatever. Your body starts to shut down, and he's going, and he, there's a guy, they call him the last convert of John Harper, and he tells the story of how he would just go over and try to mm-hmm. barely pull himself up and just tell people, he would quote, you know, unless you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall not be saved, Acts, whatever. And, uh, and just, he used his last breath, his last, you know, 
just everything he had to make sure people knew about Christ, yeah. you know. And this reminds me, Jesus, on, I never thought of it, you know, he was on the cross and he's like just so, he's gone, his muscles are shred, you know, yeah. everything. He's, Shoulders you know, ex- are out of socket. Ex- asphyxiating yeah. and he's telling, he, he's, his, he talks to the thief <laughs> on the cross, you yeah. know. Yeah. He, it's amazing. He, he, he rips a soul out of the kingdom of darkness yeah. and brings him into the yeah. kingdom of light while his arms are strapped to the yeah. cross of the yeah. wood and his shoulders are out of socket. Yeah. I mean, that's power. And John Harper's freezing to death and he's telling yeah. people about Jesus yeah. before he goes yeah. under. Yeah. It's good stuff. And so on Good Friday, I mean, a lot of a lot of things happen even with the cross, right? We see, uh, doesn't it, it says the, the Roman who was in charge of the crucifixion yeah. kind of recognizes Truly, this yeah. is the Son of God. Right. Um, so, I mean, maybe a conversion there. I would, yeah. doesn't go on to talk about his life after, but mm-hmm. it seems like something took place there. It seems like the town got a little hectic, mm-hmm. right? The veil's torn in two yeah. from top to bottom. Matthew talks about dead people coming to life. Yeah. There's an earthquake. Uh, there's an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Everything goes dark. Yeah. You know, um, just even creation recognizing it seeing that's what yeah. it's yeah. creation recognizing mm-hmm. the creator mm-hmm. uh, here yeah. dying mm-hmm. and uh and so just a really astounding time and you know there's things too that we haven't talked about it's interesting to to study but i had heard it said that we always think of jesus being put up really high or something on the cross i've i've heard recently that probably wasn't put up too high mm-hmm. but would have been eye level and so they would have been able to read the thing that said yeah. King, King yeah. of the Jews. And I haven't been to Israel. And so somebody who has, I'm sure, would tell me I'm wrong in what I'm saying here. But people say it's really close to the road. And so people yeah. just walking That's by and would could look him in the eye because yep. he's not way high up, but but right there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which makes sense when you think about the soldier thrusting him in the side. If it was really high yeah. up, couldn't yeah. get up there. Yeah. You know, right. It needs to be more right there. So I just... What a scene, you know, that had to have been and with his mom being there, John being there, sure. the rest of the disciples gone. Uh, you just wonder. There's things we don't know, but you just wonder, you know, were the disciples far off watching? Yeah. You know. Just, they, I know. Who they knows? were probably everywhere. Yeah, but just how they had to feel even right. during this time. They knew they abandoned him. Or, you know, are they, right. They're definitely discouraged because we see that later in accounts. Sure. They're still getting together. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, but who knows? You know, are they getting together like, man, we're wrong all along? You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Is that yeah. what, it, you yeah. know, or yeah. just kind of in shock? <laughs> yeah. Just, just in yeah. shock. And so, right. Uh, just so much there. And it really makes you want to have this desire to know the word of God well because of all that's wrapped into it. And, you know, the importance of the, the veil being torn. You don't know that unless you know what the veil was right. and what it was there for and what it represented and all these things. And, but you see that, you know, when Jesus came into the world and they were talking about the law, remember he said, I came to fulfill right. all the law. And he says, every jot, every tittle is mm-hmm. going to be done. I will do it. And these are the little details that you just see. Yeah. Yeah. Per- perfectly dots and crosses everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Get it. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, yeah, no, you're right. It's worth studying and it's worth knowing. And I know that we tell people to read your Bibles and know your Bibles. And I know that the response can be, of course, you're saying that you're a pastor. I mean, it's what you do. Right. But uh, no, it's, I mean, I, we say that because there's so much there. It helps you grow in the, in your faith. 
It helps you to stand firm, right? Um, well, and, and I want to, maybe we can get into this to the next one about the resurrection, but right after Jesus' resurrection, you notice they're not fully convinced that Jesus is raised, mm-hmm. even by seeing him raised. Yeah, right. It's only whenever it's Jesus, proof. well, it says Jesus opens their minds oh, yeah, yeah, to yeah. understand the scriptures. Oh, on the mace, yeah. And then, well, even afterwards. Does it say that with Thomas? Do you know? I don't know if it says it with Thomas there, but I'm thinking Luke, too. even whenever he's with the disciples after the Emmaus Road even, it says he opens their mind to understand the scriptures, and then they get it. Yeah. Does so, it say it when he feeds them? The, uh, in John 21? With the fish? Uh, no, I think that's with his restoration with Peter. Okay. This is whenever he's he shows up to the disciples afterwards and he eats the piece of fish and right, says, right, hey. right. Uh-huh. yeah, but he does that. But one of the things that hit me when I was reading that just recently was that if I want to know Jesus, I have to know the scriptures. That's what Jesus is telling them. Yeah. Because there are other people that saw Jesus, touched Jesus, were, you know, saw him all in his earthly ministry, but they weren't they didn't know who he was. They never got him. So I will only understand Jesus to the extent that I understand the scriptures mm-hmm. there, there's an inseparable link there. And even, even after his resurrection, Jesus doesn't sideline the scriptures. He doesn't say, see, look, the greatest proof is, is me here. He does say that, but then he says, but look, the old Testament was talking about this all along. All of the preaching of the apostles and acts is based on the scriptures, which right? Is yeah. The old Testament, like that's right. what they do, yeah. you know? Right. And Stephen, when he's stoned, he goes all the way back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Walks right. right. Through it. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. uh, what what you were thinking of there in in John, uh, chapter twenty is actually uh, whenever he's doing that. Whenever he goes and appears to the disciples, he it says that he breathed on them and said to them, "Receive the Holy Spirit." Mm. In verse mm. twenty two. Yeah. Uh, that happens there, and that's actually right before Thomas. Okay. But you do need the Holy Spirit to understand the scriptures, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, yes, yes, mm-hmm. but yeah. Okay, well, we'll talk about the resurrection uh, next time, uh, post-Easter um, and such. So thanks for listening to this. i got to make sure I can find the right music here first. That's not yeah, it. Wrong. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Oh, it's playing the, it was playing the clapping during that. Did you get yeah. that? Yeah. That's kind of cool. It's always uh, yeah. been that listen, top listen, left listen, button. Let's do this. Yay. Such a good good, job. Good podcast. Such a good show. Good podcast. All right. Take care, everybody.